It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. It is the mailbag weekend. Before we get to the mailbag, as always, I'll remind you, you can find the Lockdown Bengals Podcast on the new Himalaya app, along with a curated list of podcasts just for you. You can also find the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Today's episode is also brought to you by Hotels.com. Be like Joe be like your favorite Bengals Twitter personality. Book your trip on Hotels.com. Take the kids, take the wife, take the husband, whatever it is for you. Get out of here. Go somewhere nice. Have am, am, I, am I the favorite personality or is that someone else? No, that's you. Because just yesterday oh. you told everybody that you booked your trip on Hotels.com because you wanted to get rewarded for your travel. That's right. And I did. And he did. Without further ado, we're straight into the mailbag today. I don't know that there's news that I'm blatantly missing. I guess we could say quickly Carson Wentz just got a boatload of money, and uh, he's a pretty close comparable for Andy Dalton statistically, so that's fun. But I'm sure we'll get into that more at some point. It's a long offseason, guys. It is. First question comes from David J. I think this is your first question, David. Welcome to the mailbag at Gumo Gang. What's awesome. William Jackson's floor and ceiling, and what are the expectations for him this year? I think the floor is what we saw last year, which yeah. is a pretty good player that isn't making the impact plays that uh, we expected after that first year starting. And that can be due to a lot of different things. That's Sometimes that corner, you are kind of like receiver. Makes sense because they cover those guys. But you are dependent on everyone around you to get you the ball and, and get you the opportunity to make a play on the ball, especially on, on the defensive side. So I think last year was his floor. He dealt with some injuries, dealt with some schemes, weirdness. Uh, he dealt with inconsistency overall from the pass rush in front of him. So he had an okay year. But I think Upside is definitely the year he started before that, which is he was a shutdown guy. Honestly, he looked like one of the best corners, top five corner in the league that first year starting. And I don't think that was a fluke at all. I think those skills that he showed, which to me are long speed, length and ball skills, which I think if you have those three and it, that length doesn't turn into a detriment in terms of a change of direction and and, and altering your speeds up and down, you know, uh, as long as that's not the case, those are three strengths that I definitely want in a number one type corner, and he has them. Yeah, I mean, if you say what if you compared him to a, especially easy because it's a former Bengal, I think Jonathan Joseph is a pretty good ceiling projection for him, right? I think he could be slightly better because uh, Joseph didn't have the ball skills and he developed them, but Jackson came out with the yeah, ball he skills has them to start with. Yeah, all right. yeah, and so and and people may say, well, what do you mean he didn't have an interception last year? Yeah, no one did on the secondary in the corner, so it was an issue with the scheme more than anything. And he's got one in his career. I understand that. And against the Packers, he returned for a pick six, if you remember. Uh, but the ball ball skills are much more than interceptions. Yeah, I mean, you can just go turn on the 
William Jackson versus Antonio Brown highlight tape for for what Joe means by ball skills are more than just interceptions. I don't have anything to disagree with or add to that. I think that's a pretty good summary. Although I would like like what what's your player comp for his ceiling? Where what's the best he gets to if he stays if he if he achieves? Who's a comparable? I think Casey Hayward is a good comparable. Uh, and people might say, well, what? well he, he went from the Packers to the Chargers, but he's always been really, really good. He's always graded really well for pro football focus. I think he's a little underrated at times because people say, well, he's a zone corner. He doesn't have great top end speed. I think Jackson has that top end speed, uh, but maybe not as fluid. So give or take a little bit there. But overall, I think their games are very similar. Is Hayward a slot guy or am I thinking of no, somebody No, he's else? a boundary guy. Fully boundary, never Fully played boundary. slot. All right. He may have at one point, but he's definitely not. I don't know if I'll fully agree with that comparable just because I think that this, there's some skill set differences. But in terms of quality, I can buy it. Okay. I wanted to say, like, a, if I were just to go off the strengths, he'd be very similar to a Richard Sherman because of the length and because of the, the um, ball skills. I think Sherman is on another level in, with intelligence, and that's not yeah. a slight to Jackson. I think... Sherman, I mean, coming out of Stanford and still, I'm breaking down Rams tape the other day, and the only guy who knew what was going on against them on the, on that 49ers defense or, or Seahawks defense, I went back a couple years, was Sherman. Yeah. All right. Well, next hope, question. You, you know, you hope he can get there mentally, and even if he doesn't, he has all the athletic tools to be a poor man's Richard Sherman. I think he already is. I think so, too. And uh, next question here is from McCarran guy. We haven't heard from a McCarran guy in a long time. He goes by Bearded Bagel. I wish that was Bearded Bengal. But anyways, have heard anything on second team tackles? Does Michael Jordan get any run given his measurables? Usually carry nine offensive linemen on the 53 man with four offensive tackles. I think a lot of their backup tackles have been injured. And I don't think that Michael Jordan is going to get any run at tackle, at least this year. Despite, mm-hmm. I, I know what you're talking about. He's big, he's long, he's tall. But, he was recruited as a tackle, I believe. Yeah, but I don't think in his rookie year he'll get run out there. I think that they'll probably work him inside first to get him comfortable in the NFL. It might be in the future he could be, you know, if he if he ends up with a Clint Bowling-like career, he could end up playing some tackle yeah. as a backup or in a swing situation because of injuries down the road. I think that, uh, you're right, we haven't really heard who the second team tackles are, and I think that, like I said, I think part of that's due to injury. But if I were speculating, Cordy Glenn is a backup left tackle. Yep. And and have have they played Trey Hopkins a tackle lately? Or has it been quite a while since he got any run out there? It's been a few years, but yeah. he has done it in camps and practices yeah. on an emergency basis. I think he's an emergency tackle. And yeah. if you, you keep nine, but you only activate seven sometimes, and that means you need to have a guy that can be an emergency tackle. And that was Clint Bowling before. So I think now it could definitely be Hopkins. And besides that, it sounds like the team, at least at one point, was reasonably high on O'Shea Dugas, the college free agent. But the other backup tackles on the roster, Justin Evans... I mean, I don't, I, I don't really. Is Ken Perkins still there? Because he has played some snaps, but again, if he's making the roster, it means you've got nothing there. Or is it Rod Taylor that's hurt? Rod Taylor is uh, still hurt and was hurt last year. Ken Perkins yeah. uh, was an undrafted guy, and they claimed him from the Saints, I think, three years ago now. Right, so Perkins is still there. A guy named Justin Evans, who I wasn't even aware was on the roster, and O'Shea Dugas. They just signed this Justin Evans guy. We had oh, a right, right. quick blip note like a week ago. Yeah, that, yeah. He where did he come from? Mm, he was with the Ravens. Ravens? <laughs> 
Same franchise. Yeah, same franchise. It's 1999. I mean, it's a good question, McCarran guy. We just, we also haven't heard much. We have the same question. Who's yeah. going to be that fourth guy? I think when we watch some camp battles and preseason battles, they're not always for the starting job. Sometimes it's, a lot of times it's for that, those final six guys and uh, the fourth tackle will be one of the guys we're definitely looking at. I think it'll be something we keep an eye on next week because reporters have access to, I believe, every day of minicamp. So we might get some more answers about depth kind of stuff then but they they still have like 20 guys on the rehab field so it's just you know it's 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 tough yep next question comes from scott mcelroy mcelroy 1986 on twitter will Auden tate get onto the final roster and will he score a touchdown in a game this season Good question on if he will score a touchdown, because I do think as of right now, I can find a way to get him on the roster. Now, someone's question later, I believe, asks, what's the scenario to get Auden Tate on the roster? And I think you've got your four, if everyone's healthy, and that's A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and Alex Erickson. Mm -hmm. And I think Erickson does make it because special teams and they pay him. And Uh, they're loving in this camp. Yes, and he doesn't do anything wrong. So there's no reason to cut him. He's one of your best six guys. Um, So five and six now. And that means they have to keep six. I don't think they'll keep seven in in that scenario. But five could be one of your developmental guys. Six could definitely be um, a special teams type. Five normally is a special team. Six is developmental. So where does... Tate slot in is he better at special teams on that athletic piece they talked about how he's kind of got to do some of the tight end stuff he's kind of got to do some of the defensive end and linebacker stuff because he's nearly those size uh and if he can then he will find his way on his special teams and not use them more like not as much like a receiver but use them in those roles where he doesn't have to have the long speed and be a special teams guy if he does that he can be the number five receiver, and that's when he'll catch a uh, touchdown. If he's the number six and he's inactive, then he's battling Josh Malone, Stanley Morgan, whoever other undrafted guys there could be, and that's a whole different battle, and that's when he has a a less chance of making the roster. I agree, Joe. I think that there's a pretty good chance he makes a roster at this point. He brings something that none of the other players on the roster really do at wide receiver, unless you count Tyler Eifert in terms of being that big body creating mismatches with a – very wide catch radius and crazy ball skills where you can throw it, you know, three Besides feet above AJ his... Green, right? Sure. I mean, AJ, yeah. I th- he's bigger than AJ, though. I mean, he, he can body oh, up. Oh, yeah. He, he, can, he can box out better than AJ can. I mean, maybe maybe not technically, but he has a body to do it. Yeah, there is some athleticism required to get in position to box out. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything from Tate. That would be his where his strength lies. Yeah, it's it's a red zone weapon. It's a it's a sub package kind of thing where you know you put AJ Tyler Eifert, John Ross, uh, you know Joe Mixon and somebody else on the field, and you you can pick your matchup that you like the best, right? Yeah, is, is I, there, I, I struggle if everyone's healthy, right? If everyone's healthy, does he even crack that? Can you even justify taking off any of the top three receivers in well, the red zone? I think I think you can for certain plays, right? Because if you get if if you force the defense to match up with everybody, you end up with somebody that's like five ten on Odd and Tate in the slot or something somehow. Sure. Well, I mean, you just throw it. You throw it nine feet in the air, ten feet in the air, and that should be a touchdown for Odd and Tate. Yeah, or you end up with someone that runs a four seven in the slot versus John Ross, and and he beats him with quickness. Exactly. And that's why. I, Right, that's why we saw Ross win so much in that in that spot. So yeah, they're all. All it says is that we have a lot of weapons for the red zone. That's a think, good thing. 
Yeah, it's 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 having the the different types of players is is how he would get on the field, and it would I think you know he's not an every down player, but I think he has a spot. Especially, yeah, I'd roster. love to see him be a tight end. Like, yeah. I think there's like that the same hybrid way Eifert's role. a tight end, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's that hybrid position where I'd be say I'd say right now it's Eifert and Auden Tate, and now I'll figure out how to use them after that. Yeah. If it was me. Yeah. Next question is from Ten Fucks. Thanks for making me say the f bomb on the podcast, J colon ten. He's been wanting us to talk about uniforms for a couple of weeks. And is wondering what the chances are that we'll see some changes from Nike football and the Bengals, especially with the regime change. It seems like now is the time for rebranding. And he says that you might know what he's talking about. I, I'm not sure if you've talked about uniforms before. We've talked about uniforms to some extent. I can tell you for sure before you answer, Joe, that it will not be 2020 because I looked at the rules. And the rules say that you have to give the league notice by March 1st, a year prior to the change of the uniform and obtained approval by December 1st. So we would have heard about it. Would we have? I, I believe so. I, I'm just wondering, you know, I don't know that. I don't, even though if they notify the league and start going through the protocol and, and the procedure that it, that it takes to change uniforms. Or maybe you um, don't hear about it until the December. I guess that's when we would right. hear about it would be December. I think that's when we heard about the Browns uniforms. Yeah, and Jets and things like that was yeah. towards the end of the year. So, so maybe, um, maybe we wouldn't have heard about it. That's a good point. But right, but still, it's not happening in 2019 <laughs> for that sure. You know, I, yes. I, everyone has unveiled their uniforms for 2019 that it's that it's going to be oh. uh, changing them. And apparently, the primary uniform set can change only once every five years. We're past that, though, right? I believe so. Yes, they don't not small alterations because there's been you know obviously as uniform has changed with uh, um, materials and and sponsors or whoever yeah. makes them. I should yeah. say uh, it has changed. Mm-hmm. But yes, ten fucks. We have talked about. It. I've talked. I like talking uniform if i was better at photoshopping skills i'd do it myself and 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 draw stuff stuff up and um draw up a concept i think but all all i can really do is actually put pen to paper and 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 draw it up so i'm interested in people's ideas and i always have some feedback for it so uh yes i send me that stuff if you have it i would still love to see some sweet white uniforms make their way into the regular stable instead of just the uh color rush Thursday games. You know, I, I think the color rush are just missing a little bit of orange, just some orange highlights, you know, and that's well, the, that kind of sounds like they're away uniform anyways. I think their away uniform is I think it's right now they have a mixture of some old designs with still trying to be futuristic and it, it, it comes off as off putting in, in a lot of ways. So, so, I, so I think a lot of people are ready for it. new go to a more classic streamlined look block letters Um limit some of the white boxes that they have like under their armpits and things like that and just you yeah, know try and boxes. be more yeah it just weird things like that 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 I think could be cleaned up the stripes on the shoulder never have been um right for this type of uniform this tighter uniform that you know those that little orange whatever it is on the shoulder that bleeds into the the black stripe on the top so there's a lot they could still do there is a lot they could still do, and next year might be the year if they decide they're going to stick with Zach Taylor and usher in a new era of Bengals football. They had two uniforms, I believe, only two substantial uniform changes, or one substantial change under Marvin Lewis, so I, we'll see if it happens here. But let's take a quick break, though, Joe, and then we'll get into some more questions. Okay. I'm going to let you tell the good people about your favorite product. Ooh, this one's paying the bills. Guys, let's talk about sex. 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Jake and Joe are taking your weekend questions. We'll kick it right off again with Kevin Hackett. Kevin's asked questions before. Thanks for uh, joining us again. He asks, when looking at the roster and looking at realistic player ceilings, so again, another question on player ceilings, how many guys either already are or could be Pro Bowl caliber? The same question goes for all pro caliber. Love the show. And he's uh, he says, not sure if the final tally will encourage or depress me on right. his question. Let's just go down the roster quick on our lines. AJ Green, obviously Pro Bowl potential, all pro potential. Tyler Boyd, at the very least this year, I'd say Pro Bowl potential. I think it's a stretch to think he'll be an all pro receiver this year just because the top of the league is so good. Yeah, but it's normally not slot guys. It's a, there's, a, there's a very outside chance of that happening. Along the offensive line, I'd say the only Pro Bowl potential they have left there at this point is likely Jonah Williams at some point in his career with an outside shot for Billy Price to at some point perhaps get to that level if he takes a huge leap in his second year. Yep. Tight end, Eifert if he's healthy. Right. I think that's it right now. That's it. Quarterback, I mean, Dalton's gone to the Pro Bowl before. The Pro Bowl yeah. threshold for quarterback seems relatively low. If he has a great year, sure, Pro Bowl's in the cards. I, I don't think Andy Dalton will ever be an all-pro candidate Again, because the top of the league of quarterbacks is too strong. Yeah, he'd have to have a 2015-type year, and, and we've said before that's not out of the realm of possibility, but he would have to have that, and there'd have to be at the top of the of the list guys that um, don't have the quality years we expect. It's There's only two, right? I mean, unless we're talking about the second and third team, but it's, it's you know, you had Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes that you have to beat. That's, right. That's what I mean. It would have to be uh, those top six guys really yeah, fall off that's, completely. That's so hard. At running back, I think Mixon is certainly Pro Bowl caliber. I, I, I suppose he has, like like I've said about some of the other guys, an outside shot at all pro. Just I because, think he has that. Yeah. I think he's got that potential. Yeah. I, I mean, running back's hard, right? Because the shelf life is so short yep. that if Mixon stays healthy and does it for a while and he came into the league young, he, he could get there. If he stays healthy with, you know, big F for running backs on the sure. defensive side of the ball. You want to, you want to lead us through this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so let's go with edge first. I think Carlos Dunlap, he's been to the pro bowl. I think he probably doesn't have all pro potential. There's just way too many elite edge rushers in this league right now. Uh, I do think Carl Lawson's got pro bowl potential. And I only say that 
with a question mark because uh, there's a chance he's not even listed as a starter and he's just because it's antiquated and even though he should be, um, the process sucks. So going inside, I want to say Geno Atkins, obviously all pro and, and pro bowl still has that potential. Honestly, the the only guy that I feel strongly about on the entire roster for that, because AJ Green's never been an all pro player. So um, definitely for Atkins inside. I don't think any of the backups there I would say have that potentially even pro bowl i don't i don't see it right now maybe we're now run down the line but we're talking crazy right there Way so i'm the yeah i'm not even gonna um entertain that too much how longer about, how about uh sam hubbard eventually getting to a pro bowl if i i would put him with billy price in terms of uh, and i know chance. yes outside chance yeah. these guys don't have the profile of those types if they Fair do enough. it great but i'm not expecting it we should expect good players not oh you know who Probably. else we should talk about Was on that? the offensive side of the ball that I forgot to mention? Rodney Anderson. Okay. There's Pro Bowl potential there if he gets healthy. Rodney Anderson would have been a top 45 pick if he was healthy. And, and I'm not talking like healthy right now. I mean healthy throughout his career yeah. uh, for what he did at Oklahoma. He was yeah. fantastic in all senses. Uh, so linebacker next, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, right? Uh, is there anyone Pro Bowl potential? Would you say Malik Jefferson? I, even Jermaine Pratt, no. I kind of go, eh. It would be him busting out of what I think the projection is. And we liked him, but you shouldn't expect a third-round pick to be a Pro Bowler. That is a bonus, I think. I think I think if off-ball linebacker had its own category, you could feel right. like, okay, maybe there's an outside chance of Jermaine Pratt. But you since have to linebacker, be elite. Since linebacker gets filled with guys like Von, Von Miller, Miller and Khalil Mack, although Justin I guess not Houston. Khalil Mack anymore, but... Yeah, all, all those outside edge rushers are still linebackers. I don't think any of them have a chance. So, so next yeah. is defensive backs. Right, and Jesse Bates has that all pro and I, I and Pro Bowl. I honestly believe that. Uh, pro Bowl wouldn't be surprised to me at all if he went this year. I think all pro could be in his future if he takes another step in his development. And I think what he showed last year is at least that he potentially could do that. And, uh, and there's and, four safeties, right, which makes it – or no, there's only two. Never mind. There's also only one quarterback. I, I got that wrong. I was thinking about the the the, the conferences. It's, it's all NFL. Yeah. So there's two safeties. Which First means, and second team, I would take either one. Okay, though. sure. But, I mean, it still means for safety, you, you have to be better than Earl Thomas and uh, I guess not Eric Weddle anymore, but to some degree Eric Weddle still. Uh, Derwin James is going to be one James. down for a long time, and that's going to be the hard one to surpass. Same draft, right? And he's always going to be the one that they're like, well, he's not better than Derwin. Harrison Harrison Barnes too. Uh, no Harrison Smith, but you're close. Smith. Damn. Yes, you're watching too much basketball. Yeah, is that Harrison Barnes basketball? Yeah. If I know yeah, that, yeah. that's weird. He's basketball. I don't watch it much, anyways. And William Jackson. <laughs> yes, I was going to say William Jackson has Pro Bowl definite potential. Um, I honestly, I think because I have, it's it's hard for me. I'm going to need Jake to correct me or, or disagree on this. I do think he has all pro potential, and I say that because I was extremely high on him before. I loved his first season of starting. I think if he did that again, he'd be in the discussion for all pro. I think there's a the potential. I, I won't argue with that. I think I think he's not there. I mean, the top oh, corners there. in I the league. That. Yeah, I mean, he's not really in that class uh, with Stephon Gilmore, Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, these are guys, even if Marshawn Lattimore had a down year, relative to Marshawn Lattimore's first year, he's still somebody you feel better about talking about prognosticating all pros and William Jackson. But if there's a step there, he has the tools. It's, it's probably mostly a mental thing. And it might also be like the opportunity to make some flashy plays. Yes. Because if 
guys keep throwing away from him, targeting the middle of the field, targeting the slot, targeting Drake Kirkpatrick. Um, well, it's hard to yep. make those splash plays to get on the radar. Yep. One interesting note, though, uh, from Evan Silva's podcast, he, he said that when, when Dark Hudson-Ard played for the Bengals, you did not want to play the slot receiver that was going against the Bengals in fantasy last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he, he's been good. And he doesn't get targeted often, but when he does, he gives up completions. It's because for Dark West Denard, he's more of a, not a guy you want in the, versus a quick receiver, I think. And that's the only kind of slot guy I would play. I believe it was uh, Dark West Denard was out versus the Bucks, And I was I always said the same thing, play Adam Humphreys this game. And I think he had a real good game against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So that's it for that question. You've got the next one here from Maddie Wayne. I do. I feel you like do. I talked a lot first on that last one, but that's okay. Who day, Dad? Maddie Wayne, welcome back to the weekend mailbag. What were some of the off-season moves you were hoping to have seen? Do you think this one has been graded solely on the Bobby Hart contract? I was just as excited now as I was last off-season, and we saw how that worked out. Am I just being ignorant that this team isn't going to be that good? This is a huge question. Yeah, we're going to answer it quickly. We're not going to go super deep on it. And I'm just going to say that my answer is that there are so many moving parts here. It is hard to put a concrete singular grade on this entire offseason because coaching staff from the fire to the hire and then bringing in basically a new scheme uh, to the draft, which had questions and praise to the offseason free agency, which was business as usual, I think, for the Bengals, um, which is not a good thing. So overall... It's a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, I think we talked about a lot of the offseason moves we wanted to see, so you can go back and listen to those. That's like Daryl Williams and Jordan Hicks, like a linebacker and a tackle. Sure. Mid-tier free agent at those positions were guys we wanted to see them sign. That didn't happen. Bobby Hart's contract is an albatross. I think that it's held them back in some of the other free agent pursuits that could have happened. I think that it deserves the amount of criticism it has oh, yeah. received and we're not going to harp on it, but I, I don't think we're wrong. And I think that if you think this team is going to be good and you're asking if you're being ignorant, I question how good do you think they'll be? Uh, if you think they're going to be 10 and 10 and six or 11 and five and win the AFC North and, and handle some of these other teams that they play this year, you, you might be a little too optimistic I think there's a chance that they reach that that level, but I think their ceiling is 10 wins. Everything has to go right, I think, for them to get to 10, yeah, we 11 talked about win this. range. It needs to be right? health. It needs to be the coaching staff clicking, especially on the defensive side of the ball where we have more questions, although the <laughs> offense is totally new too. And hit the ground running. A new yep. staff doesn't always hit the ground running. And, and let's say everyone does stay healthy and they start off two and four. That's okay for a new staff, and they get the, they get the ball rolling. Next thing you know, they're six and six. Normally around that time is when they get killed with injuries and they end up going seven and nine. And if that's what happens, I think that seems like what happens for this team. And that doesn't seem crazy to me. Yep. So next question, right? Yeah. Let's go. It's from Beast Mode 916. He's asked a bunch of questions. Welcome back. He says, I know it's early, but what are your early impressions of Zach Taylor so far? To try and keep it objective, list some things that you'd like to see or you are disappointed in so far. I have been pretty happy with what I've heard about Zach Taylor so far. It sounds like he's making it fun for the players. It sounds like his teaching style has really clicked. And when players say that, you know, they're understanding things better, which has been a refrain, that they're having more fun, that has been a refrain. 
These are all things that I really love to hear about Zach Taylor. Now, we're not hearing much about the defensive side of the ball. We've talked about the Jim Turner hire. I don't think you want to hear more about that. And I think I have some concerns for the experience level on on the defensive side of the ball more than anything. Of course, I should have concerns on the offensive side of the ball too. Zach Taylor has never called plays before. There's nobody really with play calling experience on the offensive side of the ball. So that's a concern, but I wouldn't say I'm disappointed in that until he gives me reason to be disappointed, but he has no real way to contribute. I think on the defensive side of the ball, and he's got a bunch of guys there that also haven't called plays. I would have appreciated the hire of a more experienced defensive coordinator. And and of course, I I mean, we talked about the offensive line coach. I thought we were going to get Callahan and, and we didn't. And so we'll see how it goes. I was actually told by a source that's been pretty good. You guys are getting Callahan. And I was like, great. You know, and this is after, um, you know, the other Callahan. So I was like, awesome. This is going to be a great offense. So that was a disappointment. And then it was being Turner was a huge disappointment. Again, not going to talk about Turner too much. It is what it is. We got to deal with it. Um, But yes, the play calling thing for both offense and defense. That's why they could start off slow. That takes some getting used to. And in fact, not everyone can do it. Even good defensive coordinators or, or good coaches Good offensive coaches can't call plays in a in a in a well oiled um, natural way that takes advantage of the other team's weaknesses or in, in a cohesive you know rhythm or pattern and then break that pattern so you don't get too formulaic right so there's a lot of layers to it it, it takes experience it takes time it takes some um, some development and there could be some bumps in the road because of it. Yep. Is there anything else that's been disappointing to you that you've heard so far? No, just. Bobby it comes Hart, back to the like, old line, right? Yeah, Bobby the, the Hart, usage Clint of offensive Bowling. linemen. Yeah, it, the usage of how they're they're playing with the old line. Now they need to prove us wrong, right? Yeah. So that's what and, it comes down to. And and that might not even be Taylor, but he's certainly deferring or or signing off on the decisions. And again, Christian Westerman isn't getting any run. Uh, you know, they decide to kick Cordy Glenn inside instead of giving him a chance at right tackle. They're all in on Bobby Hart, and they're going to sink or swim with it. Yeah. So I think a lot of repetition there. We've talked about many of these things before, but overall, my impressions of Zach Taylor are very strong. From what we've heard, he's running running the offseason program um, better than you would think a rookie coach would, and the feedback from players has been excellent. Well, he's been around in a lot of different teams, you know, from college to NFL, so for his short experience and people say, you know, I mean, he's been with the Dolphins, the Rams, now the Bengals. He, he was in college, obviously uh, um, a couple places and played quarterback. So he, if he's meticulous in his notes, what's that one story about him and his brother? I don't remember if you read it back in uh, when he was first hired. Uh, they are meticulous note takers and, and their brains are little computers. So it makes sense to why he could instantly hit the ground running and have a good plan for an off season program. Makes sense that they like Jonah Williams then, right, with his spreadsheets? Oh, I'm sure. They probably yeah. said, what? Let me check this out. Yeah, they probably love that. Next question comes from Ryan at CincyDay97. How big is the Bengal scouting department, and what keeps you supporting an organization that doesn't go all out to win? So I think this is referring to the Evan Silva podcast. Do you have the numbers, or do you want me to pull up the, the staff directory? <laughs> you can pull it up, and I believe it is three people. Uh, under Duke Tobin and, and there are uh, and the guys that are listed as scouts. Now there's guys that have other titles that I believe do scouting, but uh, they, 
they do use outside sources and outside scouting help. So they get some of the information that way. I don't know. It's right. the smallest department in the league, though. Here you go. They okay. have Duke Tobin. Yep. Mike Potts is their scouting director of college. Mm-hmm. Steven Radichevich is a scouting director in the professional league. Bill Tobin is a personnel executive. Andrew mm-hmm. Johnson and Christian Sarkeesian are their two scouts. And that's it. <laughs> there's right. there's a personnel assistant, and I'm assuming Debbie LaRocco is, is like an admin kind of person. And Jeff Smith is a scouting technology consultant. He's not doing scouting either. So it's, it's Duke Tobin, Mike Potts, Andrew Johnson, Christian Sarkeesian. Are there the technology scouts? consultant, I believe, is the guy that helps with their app and their information and where yeah. they can pull up all their their data and, uh, and videos. Um, so, yeah, it's the smallest department in the league. And why do I keep rooting for them? Probably because I have a long um, care for the team from my childhood, but also because I'm interested in how the players do. It's, it's the investment that actually happens, whether you like it or not, is where you're like, man, I like this guy. He's made a lot of plays. He's got a good personality. You know, he, he plays the game the right way. I would like to continue to watch him and see him grow. And that grows. That goes for about half the roster, or you really want to watch them play. Yep, that's that's what it is for me too. We've talked about this one before. It's the players. It's having been born in Cincinnati. It's a bit of Stockholm syndrome, I think, where we've been on the hook for so long now that we're just rooting for them to finally just pay off the years we've given them. Yeah, do something almost, right? <laughs> You're watching them to do something. Yep. Next question is from Caleb at OSU Bengals. He asks you, Jake, not specifically, but is Batman a superhero? Yes. And why? Do you know why this That's is a question? That's not part of the question. <laughs> you know he, why it's a question, though, right? Because he doesn't have He doesn't have a superpower, but I don't think that defines a super superhero. He has a secret identity. He okay. saves people's life. Do you have to have a secret identity to be a superhero? He's very well trained. Like you just keep going, don't you? <laughs> uh, His superhero power is bravery. And, and I think he has like some superhuman level senses that he's like acquired through hard work. And his intelligence is. Yeah. His intelligence is a super, a superhuman level. He's an elite human being. Yeah. Oh, physically. Like, like Joe Flacco. No. Oh, wait, wait, wait. If no, was, like Patrick Mahomes, real elite. Sorry. Like he'd probably be like Travis Kelsey as a tight end, right? He would be an athletic, strong, tough guy to bring down. With just the brain being Batman. Of Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> You're killing me here. With the brain of Bill <laughs> Belichick, right? I could figure out any scenario with enough time. Yeah, the brain of Bill Belichick yeah, with yeah. a physical athletic body. Now he's not a super freak. No, but yes, he's a, in my opinion, he's a superhero. And I say bravery because you could take someone who's incredibly smart and uh, and decently athletic or strong, and they still wouldn't want to live that life that Batman Bruce Wayne does. No, he's he gives up a lot. He's selfless. Right. That's another superhero quality to some degree, right? All right, next question comes from Jordan Grigsby. Hopefully we were done talking about Batman there. I think we agree he's a superhero. Yep. Jordan, welcome back to the Weekend Mailbag. You ask... Bobby Hart is not a fan favorite. We'll see if that changes. But who in Bengals history was most hated by Bengals fans? Most hated. Now, my history may be limited. I can't really think of anyone. It's a different era with the social media and and 
analysis the way it is now and it, it never was like this 15 years ago or i should say 30 years ago uh so i think of short-sighted history i'm thinking russell Bodine and nate livings because of on the, on the offensive line you can go a whole game without anyone noticing you're even out there but when you kill plays the way these two did it was easily apparent on good offenses so these guys were killing plays on good offenses i think universally those guys were hated i think Eric Gaichek is another one. Bengals fans really love to hate centers. Cedric Oboehy, pretty well disliked. Uh, yeah. For their play. Is there anyone, like, character-wise that we can think of? There, there's there's like, a geez, good amount of fans. Get this guy off here, out of here. There's a good amount of fans that will never sign up for Joe Mixon. There's a good, sure. en- there's a good amount of fans that never signed up for Vontez Perfect. Right. That's true. Backman uh, Jones. Terrell Owens, I think, rubbed Bengals fans the wrong way. Even Ray Maluga, after a while, because his his play never took the next step, and yeah, you know there was he was a bit of a um, he liked to drink and party. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but so he, fans had bad experiences with him outside, is what I mean. Pac Man, I bet some people really didn't like Pac Man's off field antics. Sure, but I don't think it goes into like no. a large enough group to, no. and I, none of these guys we just named, I think, go into no, a large but, enough group that really you hate these guys for what they do on the field if they're bad. The other ones are like Carson Palmer, a lot of people. Sure. We got we got some very strong mentions today yep. that some people will never forgive him. Um who's the the running back? Jeremy Hill, the guy that yeah. fumbled the ball. Fumble. Yep. Yeah, people people won't forgive that either. So Bob Bekrowski. I mean, Bob uh, Mike Brown, for hell's sake. Yeah, you're right. Is there any more hated Bengal than Mike Brown? No, no, he takes the cake for longevity and the amount of people that universally agree that yeah. he is an issue. The second one might be might be Marvin Lewis, and then Carson Palmer, or maybe 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 Jeremy Hill. Anyway, this yep. is this is an unpleasant question, Jordan. It is. Next one. Yeah, it's from Alex Grigsby. Alex, welcome back. He says every season I buy a jersey of an obscure current Bengal. Last year was Auden Tate. Who should I buy this year? He bought an Auden Tate last year. No, he bought a Brandon Tate a few years ago. That's what it is. He just kept wearing it. What do you think? You got any obscure names? Uh, yeah, I'm just just thinking about it. Thinking about names that I I would like to wear on my back. Moritz Boringer. He I think he has <laughs> yeah, a guaranteed Moritz. roster spot. I think he has an exemption. Uh, let's see, Jordan Franks, the tight end. That'd be a fun one. Um, let's see. You know what? Oh, Fedulin. Hopkins. Clayton Fedulin would be Fedulin good one. Fedulin actually would play a little bit, you know, and he's a special teamer. He has a fun name. I bet he'll say that's not obscure enough. He's I real gritty. If this guy got an Auden Tate last year, if Alex, if you got an Auden Tate, that's not that's not obscure. I say Trey Hopkins. Yeah, Trey everybody Hopkins everybody played. wanted Auden Tate to be on the team last year. Okay, but would you get his jersey? There's a chance sure. he wasn't going to make the team. Yeah, but he he wasn't obscure. And he kind of didn't make the team. Remember, he was cut after week one, then brought back, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Who do yeah, you think is going to make the team and is obscure? Like, I think one of the tight ends. Mason Shrek, Jordan Franks, one of those guys. Although, like, Franks is a pretty boring name. Mason Shrek is a fun name. Get a Ryan Glasgow. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's he'll, a solid he'll play. player, too. Yeah, he'll make some plays. I bet he'll be here all, all four years and be a solid player. I don't think and, that's any different from getting a Clayton Fedulum jersey, though. 
No, I agree. I just think for some reason I feel like people will be like, yeah, Fedulum. I, you know, it's like if you see a guy with a Kevin Case for Harn jersey, right? And you go, yeah. oh yeah, I remember Kevin Case for Harn. He did make a couple plays. He had a he had a pretty good year. I was looking back at the the old grades at one point, and he he actually had one really yeah. good year in Cincinnati. I was shocked. You know, there's like a uh, a threshold of why are you still wearing that Terrell Owens jersey? To oh man, look at this, Medea Williams. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like that guy played a couple years and he had some plays. A Chinnam and Duque. If I saw Chinnam and Duque jersey forty one, I'd be like awesome. High he five. Was a starter though. That's that's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying, but it's okay. So we're all the, the obscureness. No, I think that says a level of obscurity. I think obscure is much cooler, it, a level of it, um, than wearing an old and. I don't want to say like a uh, if it's like Cedric Benson. You're wearing a Cedric Benson. I'm like, man, eh, I ain't got a Cedric Benson jersey for those two years. That's cool. But if you had a Bernard Scott jersey, I'd say that's awesome. Yeah. All right. What about what about like Nick Vigil? Uh, is somebody you'll look back on in a few years? You're like, oh yeah, Nick Vigil. That's like if you had a Landon Johnson or Caleb Miller jersey. I liked Landon Johnson, man. I did like Landon Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Remember he oh, beat out yeah. Keith Rivers at rookie year. Keith Rivers is holding out. If you don't remember this. If you're a little bit younger, um, that's when the holdouts st- were still happening with rookie players. And Keith Rivers is holding out waiting for his contract. And this guy, Brandon Johnson, was like a second-year guy who they signed from somebody else. It might have been the Texans. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but he was just a nobody. But he was long and athletic. And they were like, people were asking questions about when's Rivers going to come? Don't you guys need this weak side linebacker? And they're like, actually, this Brandon Johnson guy looks pretty good. And no one believes him. It sounds like just talk. And then Brandon Johnson ends up being one of their nickel linebackers. And the only way Keith Rivers was playing was on base defense. And Brandon Johnson was decent. Yep. Next question? Yeah, I guess. I went on a tangent there. It's from Stripe City. Stripe City asks, if William Jackson moved to wide receiver, what would his numbers look like? Would he be better than John Ross? No. Right. This is weird. I think think he would be – he would maybe have like five catches for 50 yards and a couple of jet sweeps or something. Yeah, he's not a receiver. The route running part is the part that I mean, you just can't go and do it. You know, I don't think he would be that good at it either. Well, I mean, he's tall, he's fast, and he's got ball skills. But are his hands that of a receiver? No, he probably have the worst hands of all the receivers on the team. And his agility isn't right. Excellent. It's good, but it's not like receiver level. It's not John Ross agility. I guess I guess corners can be just as agile as receivers. That was a misstatement, but it's a different type of agility. There's yeah. agility in, I think, in planning and cutting with like the side of your foot. You know what I mean? Like when you say you're at the yeah. top of your route and you're running a post. When you plant that left foot, you're cutting inside. Your weight's almost shifting to that outside yeah. of your foot. But a corner is on his eyes, on his balls of his feet, on his toes. And if his heel hits the ground, it's because he's he's planting, clicking, and closing. Yeah. It's just a different type of. I think it's more vertical agility for. A I mean, he, he's not even a, he's not even a return guy, you know. There's, right, there's Jackson. Yeah, yeah, there's no there's no playmaker to his. It's game. Like if this was Darius Phillips. Now Darius Phillips was a former receiver. He actually scored a touchdown on offense. He re- every time he picked up a fumble or an interception in college, he returned it for his score. He's an elite kick returner and punt returner in college. He might be able to be a decent receiver. Yeah, different story. Different story. On to the next. Kasha, uh, Kasturik. Kasha, who has previously won our question of the week contest, asks, what are your thoughts on the Browns-Duke Johnson situation? Do you have thoughts? I do. I think Duke Johnson's really good. Yeah? and Yeah, I do. And I think he's a really good receiver. I think there's a weird situation where he is 
almost a, a slot receiver. I think he could be a slot receiver for a lot of time. I think the Patriots would love him and run run routes with him. He'd be a lot like Rex Burkett. I think he's a little better than Burkett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he is an okay runner, not a good enough runner to, and not a big enough guy to handle a load ever. So he's never been fully committed to in terms of we're going to design some plays to get you the ball and make sure you're a part of this offense in bad Browns offenses. Now they've paid him. seems like he still wants either a bigger piece of the pie or be traded again. Uh, it sounds like he's a distraction for the team, or at least they're letting it in a, in a team with a lot of voices. So um, weird, but if they move him, I'm sure he'll have success somewhere. That's a really good point. A team with a lot of voices. That team is going to be very, very chatty, led by their leader, Baker Mayfield, who loves to talk shit about Colin Coward and likes to call out players. And Miles Garrett over there saying, we don't want Gerald McCoy. You know, they're they're, they're a funny group up there in Cleveland. There's a lot of cockiness that I don't think is earned quite yet. And also, like, have humility. That's just a, a very enjoyable human quality. Agreed. And there's a level of confidence to cockiness, right? It, well, there's it's a it's thin line. Different things, yeah. Well, they can cross over, right? And you can be so, and I guess it depends from the outside too. You ever been so confident that someone's like, "Don't be cocky"? No, you ever been so confident someone's like, "Don't be cocky about it." And I'm like, "I am. I don't know. All right, but I, I have you know, done that. Yeah, I've yeah, because you don't realize you are sometimes. You're just right. like, man, I just really feel good about the situation. Well, anyway. and I think I think that's how Miles Garrett. Yes. Is approaching it, right? He's like, we, we, we like the guys we have in the building, and he's standing up yeah. for his own guys. So, like, because I don't, I don't take to... Garrett as that kind of guy either. He's not, I don't think, I, I think he and Mayfield are two different types of yes. cockiness and arrogance, right? Yes. So, all right. Yep. Next question is from Big J Mace 513. He asks, if you had to play either Denard or BW Webb outside, who do you choose and why? I think we talked about this. We did mention it quickly. And and I think the answer is is BW Webb because of athleticism reasons. Yes. And and experience, I feel like. Yeah, and long speed. Uh that's it I know what he means because both guys were outside guys originally and then found their better play to be inside in the slot. Now, if you need if Kirkpatrick or Jackson go down, you gotta move one out to the outside. Who do you move out there? In my opinion, you move Webb out there and you keep Denard in the slot because I think Denard's going to be their starter. If Webb keeps playing the way he is and being a communicator, it may mix some things up anyways. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it does shake out, but I think Webb's the guy that goes outside. Uh, Webb is going to get playing time this year, one way or another. Lou you think they just rotate likes him, him a little more? Yeah, Lou Anarumo likes him a lot, right? Like, I, I don't know. I think Denard still wants to play outside. He would love a shot outside. That's what he was looking for in free agency, but I just don't think he's that guy. Teams that aren't going to give it to him. Uh, and, it's right, and we saw that other teams weren't going to give it to him either. Not yet. Uh, and he hasn't had much of a chance to prove it. The injuries have really dogged him his whole career, and I think that if he did have a chance of playing outside, I think that that chance has probably passed. I've got a video of him getting beat like eight times in his career on the outside on on deep passes, and he hasn't even been out there that often. It's just the long speed and ball skills were two things he did not have, and he still doesn't have it. Next question. Yeah, you got it. Andrew Goddard, at A. Goddard on Twitter. Obviously, you guys watch college football, or at least film of it, but do either of you have a favorite college football team that you root for? I do not. I didn't go to college. I didn't grow up watching college football, being a northern guy. 
Uh, so for me, I could watch. Sometimes I'll watch film and say I have no idea who they just played in those blue uniforms because I just I don't know. But I did play NCAA football a bunch as a kid. I would pick USC or Florida State. Oh, gross. That, why? I like their uniforms. I like the chant, especially for um, Florida State. I like the um, the victory thing, you know, song for USC. Ugh. I, I went to Northwestern University, so I will watch Northwestern football games. They're in the Big Ten. They're they're a very small school in the Big Ten and generally like aren't very good, but somehow fell into the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State this year. So that was interesting. Um and and I, I've got a bit of love for UC as well, just growing up in Cincinnati. I also really like watching Clemson. And that's just because I mean I was gonna that- ask any big schools. They're they're the best team in football, right? And like the track record they have and their consistent excellence is fun to watch. Like if I could just watch teams as good as Clemson play teams as good as Alabama every week, I would. For me, college It'd be football, the NFL, right? That's and and that's the thing, right? Like I like the NFL more than college football because of the caliber of play. With forward thinking teams, I mean Clemson's cutting edge. I think in right. every way. Yeah. Do you see how the guys they hire though? They're all like they constantly are, are uh, promoting. Um, what are they graduate assistants that are like analytics and stat guys yeah. and onto the coaching staff, like and onto the staff and not, I shouldn't say as coaches, but uh, onto the staff to help them. You know what this makes me think about is the uh, Jalen Rose quote today. He said something about like, he, he was just railing against analytics thinking that, you know, they were unqualified that they're using their analytical and numbers knowledge to say like, Oh, we're better than you players. We know better than you. And, you know, saying you, you've never played the game, so you don't, but it's really like, it doesn't have to be like that. And I think Clemson, what you're just saying is a good example of it. You use the numbers, you implement them. And, and then that's how the game changes. Right. It's gotta be, I think as the generations grow, it becomes more and more accepted because, um, it'll be introduced to them at a younger age. You know, it'll, they'll, they'll see some analytics in high school and then college and then pros. It's supposed to be there to augment and help you. It's not supposed to be there to tell you you're doing everything wrong. It's supposed to say, hey, you know, if you did this also, it can make you better. And if any player wants to be better, he'd listen. You know, now, we, for, we forgot to take our second break, Joe. Okay, should we do it now? I think now's the time. We have a few questions left, but we are going to take our second break of the show. This show was also brought to you today by Grip6's Ultra Lightweight Belts. No holes, no flap. Great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6.com slash lock. Grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E for some special offers on Grip6 belts. We'll be right back. Okay, we're rounding third base here, heading home on the weekend mailbag. First question's from Tyler Lindsay. And Tyler asks, have either of you had any cool personal experience with any past or current Bengals players that you'd like to share. For me, I had an opportunity to talk to, and this isn't me, this is Tyler uh, still speaking. He says he had the opportunity to talk to Cedric Benson for about 15 minutes before the 2012 wild card game in Houston. He was telling me how awesome this moment is playing in the playoffs back in Texas where he was from and how he had butterflies pulling up to the stadium. And he also got to meet Andy Dalton's family for that game. That's Tyler. I don't have any cool stories that I'd like to share with players. I think most of mine end up being public on Twitter. I wish I did. I think the coolest interactions I've had with Bengals fans are Willie Anderson. Like you said, Willie Anderson on Twitter. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Bengals players, if you'd like to talk to us and you listen to the Lockdown Bengals podcast, which you don't, all you got to do is uh, drop us a mention, drop us a DM. 
We'd but if you are a listener you. and you want to share your story, feel free. I will read it if it's cool. Yeah. Good point. Next question comes from Devin Thomas at Hardy McNotsoft. Do you think he's been listening to your Blue Chew ads? Oh, he's a Blue Chew subscriber, definitely. <laughs> oh, dear. We all know Hart is number one, but rank the top three worst projected starters for 2019, and where are the biggest opportunities for improvement in 2020? Worst starters. Okay, so I can use Hart as one? Because yeah. I will. I'm going to say Hart as of right now. Uh, I'm going to say... Preston Brown at linebacker, and I'm using a nickel defense in my mind, and I'm going to say Kerry Wynn as uh, the nickel D end. Is he really the nickel D end? D tackle. Yeah, unless it's Hubbard, and then I kind of might still say, no, yeah. I wouldn't say Hubbard. I might say it's Billy Price, or potentially it's 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 uh, Cordy Glenn at left guard. Yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be John Miller too. It could be any of those linemen. Sure, could be John. It could it could be could be Jonah Williams too. To be honest, sure, he's a rookie. rookie. I mean, you we hope it's not Jonah piece, Williams, though. but you don't want to hear that. But there's a chance that I mean, he's a rookie tackle in the NFL. That that sometimes doesn't go well. It could be yeah. any of the linemen on on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Dre Kirkpatrick is sure. always potentially in the he's conversation. A uh, but he has been a little bit better in the last couple of years. He's he's still not he's not a number one corner, but he's a solid starter. I guess it's probably not him. Randy Bullock. Oh God. Let's move on. <laughs> Midwest bias. Do you think Marvel Disney will introduce an Ironheart character, Jake? If you don't know who this is this is a young female that broke into Stark um, Industries and stole some of his armor and built her own. She's a genius herself. Um, or or some form in the New Avengers. Midwest continues to ask, do you think Spider-Man kind of takes over the Iron Man role in the MCU? Joe? <laughs> I could see an Ironheart. I could see an, an Iron Lad. I could see them do something with Iron Man down the line in terms of uh, passion, passing What about that his off. daughter? Right, and that's what I mean. They could use yeah. that scenario, but I think we're 10 years away from at least seeing that. She'd only be like 14 in that. So, yeah, um, yeah I think they'll let Iron Man rest for a while while other people pick up, and especially I think villains are going to pick on that technology a little bit and try and use it. Mm-hmm. As for Spider-Man, do I think he takes up that mantle? I do not. I still think the contract thing between Sony and Marvel is something where Marvel will never fully make him a core Avenger or a core centerpiece, even though they love Spider-Man and will use him as much as possible. And I think Spider-Man will figure out in this movie specifically that he's Spider-Man and not Iron Man. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You know who else could be Ironheart is T'Challa's sister. Yes, sure. But but she's going to be... The Black Panther, she, so she could. I could see a, there's probably in a movie coming up where T'Challa will be gone and she'll take the mantle. I would love that movie. She's such a great character. Next question comes from Jeremy Judd at J U Double D. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Do you think the Bengals will pursue Trent Williams? Who day? Nope. Nope. It just it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not the Bengal way. No, I, I don't think they'll pursue either of the tackles we talked about yesterday. I just have fun pointing out to Troy Blackburn that, hey, look, there's tackles. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So our last yeah. question here is from Dusty Balls 8 Dusty, you're our man, especially with that name. You know, my name on, um, on Xbox is Good Nuts. So have fun with that. Anyways, Dusty asks, or he says, Lap said he thinks Stanley Morgan Jr. stands a very good chance to make the team. From what he's seen. In that scenario, what would the final receiving core look like? Well, we've talked about the first four. 
Sure. Green, Boyd, Ross, Erickson. And yep. then if you're saying Morgan is five, then it's one I, of Malone or Tate for six. See, I think it'd be core as a special teamer, and then the sixth guy being inactive is Stanley Morgan as the developmental type, and he beats out Malone and that. Tate. Don't, don't do that to me. So you'd rather have Tate or Malone make it as hope, right? But so someone's got to play special teams. Someone, I mean, the top three guys aren't. Erickson is, but not in the way we're thinking. They'd have to find someone else to get in there. Cody Core just shouldn't, like, I, I just hate a roster spot that is dedicated to a special teamer who's never going to do anything else. I hate I it think, every time it happens. I agree. And I, th- I don't think Unless we it's a running talk back. about. When it was Cedric Pierman, right. I was fine with it. Yeah. He was also a very good special teamer. And Cody Core is just like, a, he's maybe above average if, if you're lucky. And this is maybe an old Bengals thing where they're like, this position, and the, the positions on special teams are stupid. Oh, 1, 2, 3, 12. I mean, it's, it, I can't even tell you where they line up. Anyways, um, Cody Core doesn't have to be a receiver. It could be a corner. It could be a running back. It could be a lot of things. Normally, they're like bigger, taller, stronger guys that can run fast vertically. That could be a lot of guys. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a receiver, but the Marvin Lewis Bengals and Darren Simmons, still the special teams guy, yeah, always like the receiver to do that job. Yep. Well, for for a long time, it was it was running backs that were the special team aces in Cincinnati, and it still is. I just mean for this one specific position on kickoffs oh. and on punts and things like, like that. It's, well, they they use receivers as gunners pretty frequently. Yes, receivers and, and corners for, are their gunners. Yep, and that's why I mean that's normally what they like. Well, the running backs and safeties are norm- normally the punt protectors. Yeah, I, I think Stanley Morgan has a. But maybe rough... he's a special teams guy. Maybe Stanley Morgan yeah, is is, be... is that guy. I think it's a pretty tough uphill battle for him to make the roster when, you know, they're going to try to sneak these guys onto the practice squad. Yeah. And and oh. we, we've made a big deal about this in the past, and then the guys just, like, Auden Tate cleared waivers in the middle of the year last year. Yes. And that's right. These guys didn't get drafted for a reason. Um, you got to think, and even if they're seventh-round picks, it's because other teams aren't interested. Yep. I, I just, I, I just, uh, Cody Core's worn out is welcome for me. Yeah. And he's going to, he's going to be the surprise breakout player in the Zach Taylor offense. So get ready, Jake. I'm not mad if that happens though. Cause then he's doing something. Sure. Right, like, right. I don't care if he proves me wrong. I just don't want to carry him. If he's just out there to take up a roster spot and an active spot just to play special teams. And then if he has to play wide receiver, you're like, Oh shit. Who's the best guy it's on the roster right now? a black hole of wide receiver. That's just going to play special teams. I don't know. Because there isn't one, right? Because I was going to say Clayton Fedulum and, um, oh, who's the other one that was in my mind? But anyways, these guys, it, oh, Alex Erickson. But if they have to play on offense or defense, you actually feel like you can use them. Exactly. That's what I want my special teamers to be. Backups that offer something to the other two phases of the game. Just like you need special teamers. Like there's three phases of the game or whatever. Your special teamers have to contribute to another phase. Hopefully that dies with the Marvin Lewis era. That's a Darren Simmons thing, I bet. Yeah, but also it's got to be up to the coach and whoever's building the 53-45 to say, all right, I want Darren Simmons. I mean, I'm, I want Cedric Pierman on the active roster rather than William Jackson. Supposedly, Darren Simmons has a lot of power in these in these topics. Oh, when you build the 45, you need Darren Simmons right next to you to help you with that. <sighs> Just, just like make sure the guys can contribute in other phases of the game. That's all I want. That's all I ask for. I hear you. I understand the special teams is important. I do, but but it's it's less than a third of the game. 
Anyway, that ought to do it for this week's Locked On Bengals podcast series. Next week, Joe and I have some conflicts of schedule again, so we'll have some solo shows potentially because we do have or expect to have news coming out with mandatory minicamp and three days of coverage. So look forward to that next week. This show was brought to you just as a reminder by Hotels.com and Grip 6 Belts. Go check those out. Use the promo codes. Helps out the podcast. And as always, you can find the podcast on the new Himalaya app, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts, probably. This has been the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Have a good one, Bengals fans.